Homestyle Green, episode 33. What would you do if you had six months off to study whatever you liked? G'day, Matthew Cutler-Welsh here for Homestyle Green. I'm a sustainable housing expert and you are someone who wants to create a sustainable house or who wants to be part of the process of making homes that are better for people and better for the planet. Now, I've had a couple of really good interviews recently and um, the one I'm going to play today was one that I had last week with Phil McLean. Now, Phil is a secondary school teacher and he's on sabbatical at the moment, and he was given this great opportunity to study, do a, do a study project. So this is a really fascinating, fascinating insight into someone from who's not from the building industry looking into the building industry. And I caught up with Phil in Christchurch recently, and I was just, um, I guess, I was just really touched by his enthusiasm and some of the things that he was learning as someone with a design background, but with fresh eyes on the building industry. Just before we get into the interview, though, quick note to make sure you head on over to our Facebook page, that's facebook.com slash homestylegreen, and enter into the draw to win a copy of Kiwi Prefab. Um, it's the Cottage to Cutting Edge book of Pam Bell and Associates that we talked about last week with the interview with Pam Bell. Really popular topic. And look, that book is is uh, totally relevant to anyone who's interested in architecture and design, particularly in New Zealand, but also around uh, Australia and Pacific as well. So head on over there. All you need to do is like uh, the Facebook page and go into the drawer. Um, it's a great book, even if you don't think you're into prefab. I didn't think I was, but we pretty much all are. That uh, we we have prefab elements in all of our buildings, and there's some really good opportunities for for that industry to well for prefab to help out with the building industry in in um in a wider sense. So check it out, like our Facebook page, go into the draw, and you can win yourself a copy of that. Kindly donated by Prefab NZ. Enough of that. Let's head over to the interview with Phil McLean. Welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I'm Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and with me today is Phil McLean, and I'm really excited to catch up with Phil because we had a conversation a few months ago, um, and I guess, Phil, you, you were probably just starting out your journey then um, on Discovery. You've created a, an amazing resource and come from a, an interesting place as a school teacher to I think put some really interesting ideas into the 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 building world. So, Phil, can you give us an idea? Give us give us your your story, um, your background. Tell us how how you've come to be doing what you're doing at the moment. Oh, thanks, Matthew. I'm Phil McLean. Um, I teach metalwork and graphics at Lincoln High School. We teach the students the design process, and I've always loved designing things, as long as I can remember. Anyway, last year I. Um, uh, I'll blow my trumpet here a little bit. I invented the Kyoto. That's a, a kayak with an outrigger and a motor. So I um, I love inventing things. And I also invented a, a fishing reel that will go to 2K. But both of those were kind of need-driven because I got some uh, pretty serious issues with tennis elbows. So I kind of understand the process of that need 
need and opportunity drives you know innovation. So I got uh, I applied for and got the opportunity through the government funded Endeavour Teacher Fellowship Program to undertake study outside of my experience. So they wanted they didn't want me to do something I could do. They said, well, why don't you look well outside so you can come in with fresh eyes and and see how much you can learn. So I chose housing, something I've always been interested in, and. So the last 10 weeks, I've been to some of New Zealand's smartest houses, uh, zero energy houses, things like that. I've talked to architects and planners. Um, I've talked to developers. I've talked to people about the unitary plan. I went to Auckland. I've been to the prefab conference. So my goal there was just to get a get a bigger picture because if, I guess if you're going to design something, it, it has to have some context. So I, I learned as much as I could about you know, where the issues are and really my, I guess my um, my brief, if you like, is to look at design and affordability or sustainability and affordability. Um, so I'm using the design process and developing an idea for a smaller, smarter home. I've nicknamed it the Stretch and Grow House because, right. because it's about um, adding value and about using space carefully. Uh, we'll, we'll come on to what your results are and what you've come up with, which I, I think is is fantastic. Just reflecting on that journey that you've been on and the opportunity, I don't know if there would be too many people in the industry that would have had a similar opportunity to have such a snapshot across the whole country of all those things that have been going on right now. I mean, it's quite an exciting time and you've kind of landed right in the middle of it and been able to connect with an extraordinary range of people in the industry in, in quite a short space. It, with that kind of fresh look at the whole industry, what's your overall feeling at the moment or overall impression of the building industry in, in New Zealand? Yeah, I mean, obviously affordability is the, almost the biggest um, issue at the moment for a lot of people. Uh, we've got a growing intermediate housing market that currently in Christchurch, there are 25,000-odd people that um, are renting that would buy if they could. So home ownership's dropping quite rapidly. Of course, you know, you've got rising costs of materials and land. So there's a whole lot of – there's a whole raft of issues, really, for me that, I, that I've been looking into about why things are getting less and less affordable. They stay at three times the median salary. If a house price is three times the median salary – that's affordable. Currently, uh, house prices are 6.25 times the median salary here in Christchurch, 5.25 nationally. So really that whole affordability thing got me thinking. And I thought, well, you know, what, what if materials, what if modern materials, what if we can um, get more out of our materials, if you like? Or, and obviously, you know, maybe um, into looking at smaller designs. But so, how, you know. If, if someone has only so much financial capability and they don't want to rent for the rest of their lives, and look, renting will cost you um, $300,000 more over your lifetime. That's historically been the case in the UK. They, um, they clearly say that. that of course, if you um, rent a house for, the, for your whole life, there's quite a difference between mortgaging for 25 years and finishing up with an asset. So there's actually a big difference. If people do want to to buy houses. So if, if, if the rising cost of materials can't be avoided and 
some of the other costs, I thought, well, let's have a really close look at design in, in space, you know. So take us back to 10 weeks ago. You were um, finishing up as a, as a school teacher for temporarily, um, suddenly got all this time on your hands. And what do you do? Where do you start? Well, I, I reckon, uh, I, I, reckon I, I was quite happy. With, I got a bunch of library books, but uh, the more people I talk to, it, it's interesting when you talk to people like yourself, um, talking to people that, that are in the know, it's a, possibly a smart way to work because you, um, you're getting, getting right in there with the people that really know. So um, it's all very nice to have time to go and study what you like, but if you make your own assumptions, make assumptions that, um, you know, based on your own thinking, that, that's not so smart. So uh, sitting down with people like Jeff Butcher from Cooperative Sections and the um, – urban planning team at the Christchurch City Council, people like that, just sitting down getting a feel for everything. That, that was brilliant. And uh, you're right, I'm very fortunate. I've been very fortunate to have this opportunity. There's no, I'm not driven by um, time, you know, cost restraints or budgets. I've really just been able to, I guess, explore. And that's, that's kind of suited me just to look at, look at everything and try and get a, big, a feel of the big picture. Now it's been a real privilege to have this time, that's for sure. You mentioned that part of the goal for you personally was to be immersed in something that you're not necessarily familiar with in the first place. Was the, was there, that was that the only objective or was there another uh, specific objective of your research that sort of crystallized around housing? Yeah. Well, one of them, one of the, you'll notice in the model, I use uh, Google SketchUp and um, we actually, or I teach my students to use that as a design tool because it's a communication tool, but it's also a way to work through issues in a design or um, to get a feel for how the design will go. So part of my, one of my side goals, I suppose, was to get a lot better at Google SketchUp. It's a free program. Once students get familiar with it, they can uh, work on it at home. You know, they can talk. So it's kind of like one of those uh, really great opportunities to use that. So I've, I've made some some real gains with that. Um, no, I've always had an interest in housing. I've been I've been an investor in housing. I've fixed up a house. I've built a project in the third world, and you know, like I've I've had a wee bit of wee bit to do with it with building, um, but I've never designed a house per se. You mentioned that you affordability is probably one of the the biggest problems. Would you say that is the biggest problem for New Zealand houses at the moment? Well, it's, it's, I guess it's not a problem if you haven't got – if you've got money, nothing's a problem. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you had enough money, you could build a passive house or a zero-energy house. You can kind of do what you like. But if money is your is, is the, your bottom line, if you can only sustain a certain mortgage, well, you've got to try and work with that, however that pans out. And it unfortunately, it, it's renting for people at the moment. So I guess there's a raft of problems, but for people who can't, you know, who who want to own a house and can't get there? Obviously, the the overriding issue is cost. Yeah. So, what? Tell it. Let's talk about the your um what you've produced because you've you've created some great resources as a result of your research. I'm looking at one now, which is your 
what you've described as just your collection of thoughts, but it's actually um, there's some really cool stuff in there. Um, do you want to talk us through the the process of of kind of what you've learned and what you put together to date? Yeah, sure. So the design process is, as I say, it's something we teach the students, and um, it's a process where you you know you can uh, can think about what you need, and it's sort of um, you've got to find your parameters and, and work sort of through a process that makes sense and you select an approach and trial things. And um, so it's kind of a process that I work through that we get our students to work through. And then in the end, I ended up with, and I got ideas from um, the internet, a lot of ideas from the internet and books and you know, some of the things I thought myself. So I thought, well, okay, you know, you've got to have an approach because, well, actually when I, when I started looking at housing, I was a little concerned because it's such a wide, there's such a wide scope to it, you know, you and I have got, I've obviously only had 10 weeks, so it is a bit daunting, so I had to come up with an approach, okay, so if you're going to design a house that's affordable, what else can you have in there, so I guess logic would say, well, um, well, that's really important to have there, and that, and that, and that, so it's probably just a way of selecting, I've sort of worked through selecting an approach, and tried to use logic to say, well, okay, a smaller house, how small does it have to be? I mean, if it's if if you could build for fourteen hundred a square meter, and your mortgage could be one hundred and forty one hundred and sixty three thousand dollars, if you were earning thirty six thousand, that would be a sustainable kind of mortgage. Um, what kind of size? So, if you're talking about fourteen hundred a square meter, and you can't afford a two hundred square meter house, well, of course you're going to be building something smaller. So there are kind of big principles to little principles, I suppose. Um, the first, I guess, the probably the most most effective way to reduce costs is to reduce size. Yeah. That's a straight up. And, um, and so I've kind of tried to um, relegate those, those the level of importance to different things. I mean, sustainable, how sustainable is sustainability in terms of finance, you know, because in the end, everything has got a cost. It's got to be sustainable for people's budgets as well. So, so, but you know, if you can put something in that that makes it more energy efficient over its whole lifetime, and it's not, and it's going to save people money in the long run, well, you know, do it. If people can afford to, let's say, you know, for example, get a better envelope, the old tight envelope idea, if you can do that and make the house perform a lot better for a small amount of money, well, you've made a darn good decision. Mm. If you were to give someone advice now who's thinking about building or renovating, what specific advice would you give them? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've renovated. We were told when we were young, and my dad told me, it's still good advice, I'm sure, um, buy the worst house on the best street and do it up. Um, you know, like if you're, on, if you're on a very tight budget and um, you've, you've got to buy a house, that's always good advice. So you... Um, what you don't want to be doing is putting a lot of capital into something that I guess is going to leave you with a lot of debt in the end. I mean, one of the one of the reasons, well, one of the goals of housing, of course, is is while you have that house, is to remove that debt. So um, that's always good advice to buy something that I guess has been let go. Now you've got to watch; you've got the energy and the skills to 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 do that. Definitely a lot of energy. Um, obviously, if if it comes to a choice, and you could build. Uh, a house that performs better for the same cost of a house that 
there's maybe an older house that you can do up and increase performance, then that's it, it's smarter. You're going to get a lot. Uh, you're going to get a lot more performance out of modern materials. Mm. Can you walk us through your dream home now that you've had a, had some time to think about it? What does your dream home look like? Yeah, well, that the dream home, the word the word dream home is interesting. I, I suppose actually, I'm probably living in a dream home to be honest. Um, and it is spacious, and I do have some land, so I'm on a, about a quarter of an acre. We've got an extreme going through it, and so I could kind of say, "Oh, this is kind of a dream home because that's got a nice outlook and, and things like that." But if I was if I was somebody, look, if I was somebody that had an income of thirty six thousand um, dollars, and I might get some family support in that, but I can only afford a smaller mortgage, I'm going to say I'm going to moderate my dream and say, well, you know, what would I really want out of what I can get? So I would let, I'll put myself in the shoes of somebody that hasn't got as much money or hasn't got sorry the money to put into the house. So I'd want lots of light. Mm-hmm. I'd want it to be warm, and I'd, I'd like a lot of that warmth to come from the sun. Uh, there's just such a great feeling. Um, free anything's pretty good, but uh, free energy is really good. Yeah. Um, it would have to be obviously affordable for me. I don't really want. Uh, I don't want to be crippled by a mortgage. I don't want to be. I wouldn't want to be. Uh, I want to have a life as well, and I just tie all my finances up for 25 years and never yeah. go fishing, for example. Um, yeah, you wouldn't be able to use your kayak. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Actually, the neighbors across the street have got a good idea. They, um, they've they got a much smaller house. They're an elderly couple, and they've got a motorhome sitting right next to it. Yeah. So they've divided their capital, I guess, between things that – so I wouldn't want to put too much money into it. I'd want it to be aesthetically pleasing. So for me, personally – I love natural materials. Um, you can't, and for me, I can't get past the idea of wooden beams and, and timber. Uh, something that's earthy and natural. So, yeah. And it has to be smart. I think for me, I don't like waste. I never really liked waste. So for me, it would be clever in being clever with space. So it would be efficient. Right. So smart through design, not necessarily through... Uh, dangling with lots of technology inside? Yeah, that's the interesting question. I I went into uh, the zero energy home up there in Auckland and, you know, and and they were, um, I forget their names now, but they they showed me. Joe and Shay? Yes, yes, Brazier, yeah. No, no, Yeah, Shay Brazier, yeah. That's right. And uh, they told me through, and it was just absolutely stunning. I couldn't believe it, actually, and, and their passion for it and everything they'd put into it. And it had a price. And you know, I think if money isn't an object, you would you would make it smart in every way you could. You'd make it very very efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, but with money being a, a driving factor in the way I'm looking at it, you know, you put in what you can. Yeah. And I guess the smart money, of course, is to you know, people's situations change. So if you if you design, if you're forward thinking and you design, you might make it so that things can be added later to keep on improving value and increasing performance. Yeah, so tell us more about the the stretch and grow concept. Yeah, well, initially, actually, initially when I explained to the principal at our school down there um, what I'm looking at, I'm thinking, well, I said, well, you know, it bothers me that that people can put build a lot bigger house than they need, you know, and they're encouraged to, and that covenants, covenants kind of almost demand people to build this much bigger house um, their friends want it, you know, this, all these expectations and things. And it, I said, it really bothers me. I said, why don't we just, wouldn't it be great if you could 
um, have this much house, the house you need now, and not carry the, the, the cost of what you don't need now, but then be able to somehow get that when you need it. So the idea of um, modular houses kind of obviously springs to mind. You know, mm -hmm. you, you pay for this bit, and this is what you're living in. Yeah. You've got kids, you add another piece on. So initially I started looking at those kinds of ideas. And then I thought, well, when I got into consent-based costs and uh, construction costs, and the cost of builders, I sort of started thinking, well, what about subconsent work? You know, how can how can uh, how can people add value to a property? And and in in the end, uh, I've kind of worked towards a concept where, and this is actually the interesting thing when I when you look at materials, when you look at the materials, you think, well, okay, an optimum sort of idea would be that if you had space inside the house, so that you could grow into at low cost. And one of the materials I'm looking at are the SIP panels, and they're actually uh, Night Built is a company out there in West Melton, Canterbury, that are uh, importing a product from the UK. Mm -hmm. And it's a structural insulated panel, so it's it's got a very high uh, performance, and it's also structural. So it's really not stick-framed housing, if you like, if you can imagine big panels sort of locking together uh, and very high performance. But... One of the benefits of that material is you get you can get an open completely open loft space. Mm -hmm. So instead of needing trusses and cords and uh, or um, steel portals and things like that, the actual material itself has enough structure and uh, can be built. Oh, there's actually there's some great YouTube videos on it actually about SIP houses and they put them together in a day. It's quite amazing. Well, anyway, the um, so that structure allowed me to to if you like design. Uh, open loft space house. And the idea, and I thought, well, gosh, with that design, you could start as a studio with the space above you that you could, um, you could build onto at low cost. And that got me looking at sub-consent work and consent work. Of course, structural work is consent-based work. There's no getting around that. But um, what if the structure's there already for you to add the floor and what if the and of course partition walls and things like that. So I guess stretch and grow, the point of stretch and grow would be as families' needs change, they can get more space. So they and the design I'm modeling at the moment, it's I think it's sixty-four square meters at the start. But when they've put the floor down and turned it into mezzanine and then later it turns into two bedrooms, they've ended up with um close to a hundred square meters of house. And and just to be clear, for those that aren't looking at it, which I am on, on the screen, that's within the original thermal envelope, isn't it? So you're not increasing the size that's of, right. say, the concrete floor if you, if, you, if it was a concrete pad or whatever the oh. ground floor is. That bit's staying the same. That, and so that's where you're saying that there's some consenting benefits from doing that and constraining the external size? Yes, yes, because you're fixing the cost of the main components of your house straight up So with that envelope. So your big costs are fixed. Part of the reason also for, uh, in my thinking, for a small two-story house, which is eventually what it becomes, is um, as you get more use of the land, obviously if affordability is a question, you're, you're going to be on a smaller lot. You might be on a unit title on a, on a, on a subdivided piece of L3 land, et cetera. So, so small footprint with scope on the inside. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I've mentioned that I'm looking at this. You've got this um, available on uh, 
Google Docs at the moment. Where where can people um, view it? Are you going to share it? Make it shareable? Yeah. Well, I'm 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 working through the model at the moment. And Nightbelt, as I say, the company that's got SIPs, they've been giving me some architectural drawings. So when I when I get that, you know, uh, modelled and run it past them and make sure that the the model doesn't need any modification, et cetera, like that. Um, so if I can kind of prove the model, if you like, I'm going to at least, well, for a first time, I'm going to chuck the SketchUp drawing. I'm just going to share that anyway. So and I'll call it the Stretch and Grow House. Yeah. Um, people can contact me if they're interested in sort of – actually, I've been recently – putting it out to a number of people, hey, look, give, give us some plus and minus feedback on this idea, you know, and because uh, yeah. we've got a, that's, that's Shaq, uh, Tim down there, help with that. Yep. And uh, so they could also contact, contact me at smarterhousingforabetterworld at gmail.com. Smarterhousingforabetterworld at gmail.com. So it's all, yeah, that's fine. all one word. And what that, what I could do is just I could give people the, the link. I could see the way Google Docs works. I can give people that. The link to be able to view how the design process used to just sort of looked at a part of it, but um, yeah, if they're interested, and I'd love their feedback. Definitely, I, we we will definitely link that up in the show notes, and I'll put a, a link to it on the um, homestylegreen.com blog as well because it's great uh, to look at, and people can really visualise what you're describing there. And I think as a end result of your time in the industry and, and, and researching it over a pretty short period of time, really. Um, it's a fantastic um, result and it's a really neat idea and I really like the way you've captured captured it in, a, in the visual representation. Like you said at the beginning, SketchUp is a, is a communication tool as much as anything else and it really helps to see uh, what you're talking in 3D, yeah, which is awesome. No, and now, uh, so sorry, before we came on, on air, you were – you uh, mentioned that you were actually building a physical model as well. Yes, yeah, so I'm building actually. I'm, yeah, I'm building the physical model, including making the panels. So I'm creating. Oh, really? Sam- yeah, I'm creating the sandwich panels. It's, it is reasonably time consuming, but uh, but I wanted to model how the actual panels fit together. It's a bit like you know the Lego house, that silly song, you know, "Build a Lego House." The way panels, you know, there's a, there's a lot of hope actually that that. In my mind, and I mean, I talked to some people at the Prefab New Zealand conference that in the end, the way materials will go, and you know, like necessity is the mother of change too, not just innovation. And I mean, in the end, the materials might fall back into people's hands. Where you go, imagine going to placemakers and saying, "Look, can I have um, can I have twelve of those wall panels, a corner panel, three of those, two of those?" The way panelized materials can go or could go um, eliminates the it could eliminate the error and make building actually far more accessible to the average person. You know, what if you grab, you know, you bolt them together, the inspectors check them, you know, like I think the materials, that's the most, one of the most exciting things is to to look at the materials and think about all the possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And of course, for those that haven't listened, we, we've just interviewed um, Pam from um, Prefab New Zealand talking about the, the many benefits of, prefab in general and also modular housing as well that we uh, that we talked about there um hey phil before we go have you got a a book or a website that you would recommend for our listeners yeah definitely um actually one of the first things i looked at and i i was really entertained by this um 
as the tiny house movement now. And I got to that through a website called the designboom.com. Yeah. And the tiny house movement is, you'll see some small tiny house designs on that site, but it's a little bit of a, um, a challenge. A lot of people, a number of people, it's a growing movement. They're making a challenge to the idea that we need a, a huge house. Um, and that's pretty inspiring to see what some people do. So there it is, designboom.com. Yeah. Um, that's one of them. And uh, uh, a book? Uh, yeah, this, um, oh, there's a, just this, gosh, I don't have a book. I don't have a book exactly in, my, in the back of my head. You've got but, too many. Yeah. Yeah, as I say, I, I, a, lot of the, a lot of the books on designs didn't sort of kind of fit with where, what, what needed to take place. And there are some great books on small designs, though. Yeah, something like uh, floor plan, tiny floor plans, or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now you've also got another resource which we should mention, which is a map. Can you tell us um, very quickly what that is? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the thing the way I was looking at my fellowship as well, you know, this is great that I can I've got this opportunity to learn, but I thought, what if you know it can help someone else too? So, I guess the first thing, one of the first things I did were was to map where innovation was in New Zealand. So I wrote to every council in New Zealand and and contacted a number of organizations and asked a lot of questions and created a Google map. Now it's an online map and it just maps uh, subdivisions or individual houses that I had permission to put on the map and a couple that I didn't. Um, right. Yeah, and it's about housing innovation in New Zealand. So some of the councils said, oh, we don't have anything innovative down this way. But, um, <laughs> Definitely, some of them, some of them fired all their stuff through to me, and I put it on the map. So it's it's everything from the way people use land, like new urbanisms kind of ideas, all the way to um, zero energy houses and passive houses. And so it's a bit of a resource. It's so if you type in, uh, what is it um, innovative housing in New Zealand map? Pretty much, you'll go straight to it. It's in Google Maps. Great. That, I mean, that is a fantastic idea and a really great resource to be able to view the whole country like that and say look there actually is really great innovation going on down there and that's such a good example of of a council of saying oh we're not we don't have anything like that but little do they know that there is some innovation going on in their region and i think that's really useful for everyone to um to realize as well particularly if there's someone that's starting on that journey to know that it's they're not alone and that there are people asking some questions about the, the quality of the housing and those paradigms that you've challenged, I think, with the Stretch and Grow House. So, Phil, it's been fantastic to um, talk with you today and, like I said, really enjoyed um, meeting you the first time and then catching up a little bit later and seeing your progress. So how much longer have you got to go on your fellowship? Well, I've got eight, I've got eight weeks left. Yeah, uh, there's a few assignments due in the, over that time as well, but I've really enjoyed it. Also, appreciate your encouragement. And actually, I've been one of the things that's been really encouraging is the amount of information people are willing to share. Um, you know, you sort of worry, you sort of think that oh, it's all sort of in, in behind closed doors. But I think you know, people like Pam, as you say, and people they're really sharing ideas, getting their heads together, which has been so encouraging to see what people do. Right. Well, thank you um, for your time tonight. Really appreciate that. And we will um, 
make I'll put those links uh, available on the website. So if people do want to get in touch with you and have a look at all the resources you've created, they they can do that. Um, any any final words of advice before we close up? No advice, but I'll tell you what. You know, if anyone's knows of a house that can be added to that uh, innovative um, housing in New Zealand map, they can just email that to me at an address or a, a link or anything like that to Smarter Housing for a Better World. Yep. At gmail.com and I'll chuck it on the map. That would be awesome. It would be, be great to get that uh, more and more populated. And you just have to watch that the, the owner, particularly with individual owners, people, um, you've got to check with whether people are happy that. Yeah, you know, sure. People knock on the door. Awesome. Thank you very much, Phil. Thank you. All right. There you go. That was Phil McLean, secondary school teacher and now house designer. Some great stuff in there. And I'll link up in the show notes the uh, resources that Phil has created, both some pictures of his stretch and grow house, but also the great map of New Zealand that he's created with all the innovative house designs. And just like Phil said, if you do have know of a, a building or you've got a building that you'd like to add to that map you can contact phil directly or come through our facebook page facebook.com slash homestyle green or you can email me comments at homestylegreen.com and i'll make sure that you get connected up with phil key learning that i took out of that interview firstly uh, phil's inter- really interesting figures about affordability and the fact that Three times the medium salary is considered affordable, but that at the moment, Christchurch, the average is 6.25 times the median average, and nationally we're spending 5.25. So some pretty dire figures there around what uh, what the market's like and just how unaffordable houses are. It's, it's a quite a good metric to put everything into perspective. The second point of learning is the value of connecting with people in the industry, and that's how Phil started out on his journey of discovery was sure he hit the books, but he also went out and got rung up a whole bunch of people and just went out and met people in the industry. And I think he just learned so much in a fairly short space of time by connecting people. And I think he probably now has some really good contacts as well and some uh, has gained a lot of trust and respect in, in a very short space of time. And finally, the value of just putting things out there for free, in his case, and, and being so enthusiastic that was the thing that struck me when I first met Phil was just the passion and the interest and uh, uh, sense of discovery that he was getting from, I mean, he's, he obviously loves design but didn't didn't have a background in building but got really enthusiastic about it and now he's created these great resources, this map of all of that housing innovation in the country. He's also put his sketch up, not only the, the 3D rendering but the, the sketch up model as well. You can you can grab it and and play with it. So he's just put that out there for free. So good on Phil. Uh, need more more people like this, and I hope that his design and his thinking inspires some creative thinking, perhaps combined with uh, prefab, but also definitely with that affordability and efficiency and sustainability in mind. That's enough from me for this week. Don't forget to enter into that draw to win a copy of Kiwi Prefab Cottage Industry to Cutting Edge be great to see that book go to a good home and also helps us out to get more likes on Facebook. So thanks very much for listening. Enjoy the week and I'll talk to you next week.